We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions, or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our conversation here with Dan. Welcome. Jed's got him a fancy coffee. I, I did. And, I stopped by the coffee shop And today. I've got a regular old out-of-the-pot coffee, which explains a lot right there. <laughs> Go ahead. <clears throat> Oh, goodness. All right. So today, it's going to be a little bit of a different conversations with Dan because this is actually coming out of some classes you've been doing on Sunday mornings here at Broadway. Right. And we've gotten several requests to kind of do a prequel to some of those other classes and get that information out to everybody. So we're going to pose the question here in a second, but I also want you to know if you are watching uh, you'll see links pop up to some of the other discussions that carry on from this. So if you want to continue that study, you'll be able to link to that. If you're listening on podcast, check the description. I'll have those links included down there. So the question is, are demons active today? And how do they interact in the world if they are? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so much in the Bible about um, the powers of the heavens and how they work, and um, much of it I think we ignore because our culture is secularized. We've been taught not to think about the spiritual, but let's begin with maybe Colossians 1.13, where it's, it's talking about uh, God delivering us from the power of darkness. Let's read that one, okay. Colossians 1.13. And, right. of course, Colossians is all about the power of Christ. Hmm. 113 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. All right, his, his translation says domain. Mm -hmm. The Greek word is exousia, and Paul habitually uses that word to refer to demonic powers. Mm. For example, if you go up to Colossians 1.16 and read that one for us. That says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All right. Thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities. If, if, if you're reading a different translation, the last part of that verse may read principalities and powers. Hmm. But the last word in that verse is exousia. It is that word which refers to demonic powers. And the word before it, which yours translated rulers, mm -hmm. is the word archais, which like where we get the word archangel or whatever. Okay. And it's referring to spiritual powers, the invisible powers. Hmm. And um, Paul uses these in a number of other places. For example, look at Ephesians 1, 19 through 21, and he's wanting us to know God's great power that is available to the Christian, but he also mentions Christ's ascendancy over these other powers. Let's mm. read it. 
It says, uh, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is to be named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. All right, rule, authority, power, dominion. Those are those words that Paul uses referring mm. to the demonic powers. Yeah. And notice how he ends that, and every name that is named. Right. Well, these demonic powers are the powers behind pagan religion. And okay. all in the Old Testament, it talks about the gods. Yeah. Like and, the Baal and, and those sort of yeah, things. Yeah, and it uses the word Elohim, the gods, mm. little G-O-D-S. Right. And it's talking about these mighty beings that are higher than man, but they're not the creator, and they are worshipped by pagans. Mm -hmm. But we're supposed to only worship the creator. Now, many of you out there may have been taught that, <clears throat> that the gods <clears throat> do not exist, but right. that's not a biblical... That's not true, biblically. The gods, the Elohim, the mighty beings that are greater than man, do exist. You're just not supposed to worship them. And uh, Paul makes this very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, okay. where he's talking about um, the temptation of the Corinthians to get back involved in paganism. And he says in 1020, what? Let's see. Um, 20 says uh, about the pagan sacrifices. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 20 says, No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. All right, so that verse says a lot. <clears throat> it says that paganism is more than just people bowing down before a statue. Paganism is the worship of the demons that are behind mm. that statue. Yeah, like he says, these are real things. These are real powers that lie behind those things. Mm. So, And he does not want us, yours says, does not want us to be participants with mm -hmm. demons. Right. The word is kononos, or, or it's the word koinonia. Yeah. Uh, some translations say, I don't want you to have fellowship, fellowship. Yeah. with demons. So... It's possible to have fellowship with demons. So the writers are implying that it's more than just, oh, you bowed down to a statue and that's an affront to God. It's these are real things that you're having an interaction with right. and calling upon their God is powers. not jealous of statues. He's jealous of real beings mm. that you are having fellowship with and putting before him, see? And so, okay. um, you know, throughout the Bible, these pagan... Uh, deities or demons or fallen angels, whatever you want to call them, they um, did miracles through people in the Bible. For example, in Exodus uh, 5 and following, mm -hmm. when uh, Pharaoh's pagan priests were able to turn water into blood and threw down their rods and they became snakes, you know, some people in a secularized worldview would say, oh, those were just tricks, those weren't real. Yeah. The Bible doesn't say that. That was like a magician's illusion of today, you know. Yeah, but... But no, the Bible doesn't support that. Um, another thing in Scripture, um, I think if you'll look at Deuteronomy 18 and hand me your book, because I might have to look up the verse, <laughs> paragraph in there. But uh, there's a prohibition about um, 
okay. divination and mediums and all Ooh. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, is this? Let me see. You, go. you look. Is this kind of what you're looking up uh, when we have the story about Saul, and he reaches out to a medium and she yes. calls up the prophet and? Yes. <laughs> so it's Deuteronomy 18. It talks about these pagan practices. Read mm -hmm. it there. At what verse is it, Jed? Starts in verse nine. Read it there. All right, it says, When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or is a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a wizard or a necromancer. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. That's good. So there's a bunch of words there, but... Um, there's divination, which is the foretelling of the future, which was done by pagan fellowship with demons. Mm. And if you go to the New Testament, to Acts 16, okay. you'll find there, after the story of Lydia, when um, they are going to get put in prison, right. there's this demon-possessed girl that can tell the future. She's got a spirit of divination in mm -hmm. her. And when Paul casts out the demon, she can no longer foretell the future. Right. So there was demonic power working in her to accurately foretell the future. Hmm. And if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 13, okay, and the first few verses, it tells you that false prophets can often foretell the future by the wrong kind of powers, but you still shouldn't listen to them. Read that for us. Yeah, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that uh, that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. All right, so here's a false prophet mm. who actually says something's going to happen, and it does happen. Mm -hmm. And But even though he can do that, you shouldn't follow him. So see, the, the party line, I think, many times uh, that's more from our secular society and not from biblical teaching is that you know, all all other powers but God, if they do something that seems miraculous, it's just a trick. Mm. That's not the biblical yeah. line. Well, even in, in a lot of churches, they won't even give credence that these things are possible at all. Like, this is all old superstitions, whether it came from God or another God, it doesn't matter to them. Yeah, that was then and this is now. Right. But, again, we have to see what assumptions we're really making to make that leap whether the Bible really teaches that. Yeah, um, because whether we're reading Old Testament stories about kings asking whether they should go into battle, or we're reading these New Testament stories about Paul giving warnings or Peter or whoever giving warnings, they all tend to think this is all real. Absolutely. Their worldview is certainly not our secularized, secularized worldview. Mm. Um, in the book of Ephesians, there's this phrase, in the heavenly places mm -hmm. or in the heavenly realms. Right. Uh, for example, in, in Ephesians 1, 3, all the blessings in Christ are in the heavenly realms in Christ mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Um, if you go to um, Ephesians 3, um, let's see here, and verse, no, excuse me, Ephesians 2, about verse 6 and 7, what does he say? 
Uh, yep. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right. So in Christ, in Christ Jesus is a spiritual place in the heavenly realms. Hmm. But, but look at Ephesians 6, 12. Okay. 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The heavenly places, or the heavenly realms, it's exactly mm -hmm. the same Greek term, epuranois, and that term is used in that verse as well as the others. Yeah. So the heavenly the... realms include... Not only God and Christ and the Holy Spirit and the angels, but also Satan and the demons. Yeah, because again, we're referencing well. the rulers and authorities and powers. That exactly. same phrase we've heard. Yeah, study those words, and um, so let let's go over here and and talk about some practical things here. Number one, we talked about Colossians one thirteen, and without Christ, we are under the um, mastery of these demonic powers the domain the power of darkness colossians mm. 1 13 right um if we go to ephesians 2 verses 1 and 2 it talks about a spirit mm -hmm. that is now working in the children of disobedience read ephesians 2 1 and 2 excuse me for us uh it says you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the powers of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. All right, notice that last part, the spirit mm -hmm. that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Satan is a spirit. Mm -hmm. God is a spirit. The angels are ministering spirits, Hebrews 1.14. Um, Jesus spoke of unclean spirits, yeah. evil spirits. So there are many different kinds of spirits. Man himself is ultimately a spirit. So um, there is a spirit. And if you look at Ephesians 2, 2, yours translated it, the course of this world. Right. The word is ionos. And in, in the earliest church fathers, A-E-O-N, which is this Greek word that's in Ephesians 2 here, referred to spiritual beings in the heavenly realm and that's exactly what mm. paul is talking about okay. there and the second term that he uses is the prince which is archon like archangel you know? right the prince or the ruler of the exousia of the air the powers <laughs> okay. of the air which is the same word we've had yeah. in these other passages so the ruler of all these demonic powers is this spirit we call him satan mm -hmm. that is now working in the children of disobedience see we talk about you know does the holy spirit work in people but there's another spirit mm -hmm. that works in people the angels are ministering spirits right but the demons are warring spirits that war against us yeah so um you know this is if, if the listeners can picture this we think of of the heavenly realms as separate from us. But the Bible doesn't teach that they're separate from us. We're in the heavenly realms when we're in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 6, yeah, 7. Right. So really, the earthly and heavenly are enfolded with each other. And, and So what's funny about this is how many TV shows or comic books or things that have been made 
that depict this, you know, and they're like, oh, demons come and they work against you and they're right there with you. And there's also different ways that they depict that happening. Right. And we're so used to watching that and being like, that's so silly. Like yeah. even church people I know watch that and they don't think that that has any bit we of truth. at it, which is one of Satan's greatest weapons. Deceptions. It's his we... greatest deception. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that these spirits do is they deceive us. Uh, look at First Timothy Mm-hmm. 4 verse 1, there are demons, the emissaries of Satan, 1 Timothy 4 First verse Timothy 1, four. Uh, 1 and 2, read mm-hmm. that a little bit. Yeah, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from their faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consequences, whose consciences, excuse me, insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. All right, so you've got the Spirit speaks, that's the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, yeah. but then you've got deceiving spirits mm-hmm. and doctrines of demons. See, demons are teaching. So do we really believe what that says, that there are demonic powers that are that are disseminating misinformation mm-hmm. all over the place so that we can be deceived? Let's stop and think about what we've always read in the Bible but taken with a grain of salt. Um Satan is a liar, John eight forty four, and the mm-hmm. father of lies. Mm-hmm. In in Garden of Eden in Genesis three, God said, "If you eat this, you will surely die." And Satan said, "You will not surely die." Genesis three verse four. Right. Um, look at Revelation twelve nine. Okay. This is talking about the old serpent Satan, and it tells you about his nature. Twelve nine says. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who was called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. All right, the deceiver of the whole world. Hmm. All right, so 1 Timothy 4 talks about giving heed to seducing spirits and the teachings of demons, you know, deceptive, deceiving spirits. So there's a massive misinformation campaign going on satan and the demons are disseminating through internet through news matter through through articles through you know friends through podcasts through everything else misinformation lies to to build up misconceptions in the minds of people that will keep them away from god hmm. um look at um second corinthians 4 verse 4 Four. Okay. Two core, four, four. Two core, four, four. That has a nice ring to it. It does. Uh, that says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. All right. So Satan is trying to blind the mind. He's trying to deceive the mind. He's trying to to keep the gospel from getting into the mind by by creating misunderstandings and misconceptions and mm-hmm. you know building up a wall against God you know when Stephen was preaching we've talked about this verse several times and he looked and saw that they weren't receiving it he said right you do always resist the holy spirit mm-hmm. Acts 7:51 but satan's blinding their minds and so yeah. they're resisting the holy spirit yeah 
So you've got the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the word trying to get into their minds, and you've got Satan blinding their minds. And what's what's the verse then that he's tearing down strongholds? Yeah, I was going there next. Ah, looky See? there. <laughs> All right, so if you'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, okay, verses 3 through 5, Paul talks mm -hmm. about how we do this spiritual warfare as purveyors of the gospel. Yeah, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Sounds similar to something we read earlier. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when okay, your that's obedience good is so, complete. So we're trying to capture minds, and Satan, through the demonic powers, is trying to capture minds. Hmm. It's a spiritual battle. Spirits of deception and the spirit of truth are fighting against each other. Hmm. Um, you have... Um, as we've already talked about, you have in Acts 16 and in the Old Testament, spirits of divination, right, which allow people or have allowed people to foretell the future and so encourage people to put faith in those pagan spirits. Mm -hmm. um, you have um, in 1 John 4, this is a good one. Okay. And this is often like um, sanitized by our secular worldview, but First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. All right, so, you know, we said, well, he's just talking about false prophets, but what he says is there mm -hmm. are spirits, which is the same thing First Timothy 4, 1 says. Yeah that are speaking through these false prophets, but we have to test them to see if they're telling the truth that the Holy Spirit has revealed to us yeah. in his word. And if you go down to verse 3, mm -hmm. he calls them the spirit of the what? Uh, well, of the Antichrist. Yes, so these spirits are anti or against Christ. Christ. Yeah, it's not not one thing that's coming, it's... These are just in general the spirits against Christ. Yeah, First John two eighteen says many antichrists have mm -hmm. gone out in the world. And I think that same passage in chapter four says the same thing. Yeah. So antichrist means against Christ. So these demonic spirits that are deceiving people, mm -hmm. they are working against Christ. And of course, the Holy Spirit is working in concert with the redemptive work of Christ, etc. So, so like in. In the secular context, we tend to hear this as, well, it's just a preacher who, you know, he's teaching false falsehoods just for his own good. Yeah, but it's a demonic spirit working through that preacher. Ah, okay. So it's, people wouldn't want to say, well, demons are working through me, but, if, no. but demons are working through them to disseminate false information, so says the Bible. Yeah, and they might get close enough that they would say, oh, well, that was a sinful desire within myself. But, but still, they're trying to to remove the the fact of the Bible that there is an outside spiritual power that is mm. working on and through them. Yeah, I I was talking with someone the other day, and they were trying to wrestle with this concept. And as much as we are starting to be comfortable talking about the Holy Spirit and their actions, their their comment was, "Well, if there is a Holy Spirit, wouldn't it make sense that there are?" 
anti-Holy Spirits, basically, you know, and they were going, it doesn't seem logical for us to suddenly be okay with one side of the equation, but not the other. Yeah, and again, we, we have to go all things biblical, and the Holy Spirit does have his work, and we talk mm -hmm. about that, and we do in some of these lessons. Yeah. We're going to give them uh, the links to, but um, there's another interesting passage that maybe I read differently than some people, but if you go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, I think verse 7, maybe read 6 and 7. Okay, 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Mm -hmm. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So God gives us a spirit. Is he just talking about an attitude? Mm. Or is he talking in his the way he talks throughout the books of Timothy about the, the Holy Spirit that gives us power and love and self-control and mm. the spirit of fear or timidity that keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. Um, I prefer the latter, but anyway, that's an interesting passage. Yeah. So the, the, um, the demonic... There's another thing I'd like to throw in here. There's a Greek word in the New Testament that's used throughout the Gospels, and it's daimonidzo. And different um, lexicographers will give you different possibilities for the trans, uh, translation of this word, but um, many translations say demon-possessed. Hmm. But... Um, other lexicographers say translate it oppressed by demons okay. or or you could just translate it demonized so there was there so, was there so were more of us an assault instead of a takeover yeah the the demons my view on this is that the demons were oppressing these people to an extreme degree hmm. and the Bible, all throughout the Bible, teaches that man always has a free will. Okay. God does not take away the free will of man, and I do not believe that man, or that Satan, is able to take away the free will of man. Hmm. Now, um, <clears throat> once you crack the door open for Satan, and you give Satan a foothold, like um, Ephesians 4, 26, 27, be angry, but do not sin. Let not the sun mm -hmm. go down upon your anger. Neither give the devil a foothold. Yeah. See, anger and rage is a way you crack the door open for Satan and you give him a foothold. And if you feed that and if you nurture that rage and anger, he'll come inside and live mm. with you. You know, mm. um, the opposite is true, because if you go to like Revelation 320, I think it is. Jesus says, uh, if anyone hears my voice, um, uh, Behold, I'm knocking at the door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in mm -hmm. and sit down with him and sup with him, etc. Well, so you have to open the door to let Christ yeah. in. And I believe that you have to open the door to let mm. Satan in. So it's less of like, oh, a demon came and just <clears throat> without you knowing it sucks in and takes over your body. It's more, yeah. It's more in line with you have had the oppression, you've felt it, you've given into it. Yeah, and I, now... I think so. And I think hmm. that, that uh, 
that many of these people were severely oppressed by the devil, but even the Gadarene sees Jesus and he comes to Jesus. I think that's the man who wants to come to Jesus. Hmm. The demons resist being cast oh, out, yeah. but the man wants to be set free, and the hmm. man is set free, but still I think the ultimate result depends on the desire of the man. And uh, so... Um, I do believe today that people are still oppressed by demons in the sense that they are attacked by Satan. They open the door and let Satan in. And the more Satan gets in, he gets a, a harder and deeper hold on them. And soon it's very hard for them to get released mm. from his grasp. It may be addictions of some kind. It may be sexual addiction. It may be rage and anger that gets a hold of their life and just so deeply ingrained yeah. that Satan just takes over and and once they get so far into it it's really hard to get back out of it yeah um, some people would raise the issue of the uh, the guy in Mark that you know he had the son that um, the disciples didn't weren't able to cast right. out the demon and Jesus says this one only comes out through much prayer and etc Mm -hmm. but um, it uses the word child there, but I, I don't know that it means a little child. I'm uh, I'm thinking it means like a teenager or something that is somehow, or a young person, a young man that's yeah. let, got, let Satan into his life and, and he's being controlled by Satan. Now, you know, we can study this at another time, but mm. I really believe that... Um, like in the book of Ephesians, there's much about the heavenly realms and much about Satan and his power and the redemptive power of God. And in Ephesians 6, it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You know, so the only defense against the demonic assault on us is to be close to the Lord. Yeah. Uh, James said it really, really simply, which is best for all of us. Okay. Resist the devil, James 4, 7, mm -hmm. and he will flee from you. other half of that is draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So basically yeah. the only way to resist Satan is to draw near to God. Yeah. Because we can't do it on our own. We're not strong enough. Absolutely. So here's, here's a question for you. <laughs> Why... Like, I can understand culturally, we've moved away from trusting in some of these things. Why has the church moved away from... Because the church has been secularized along with the culture. Hmm. Uh, several years ago, there was a book written called The Worldly Church that was spot on in, in many ways. Um, it was, uh, the church has acquiesced to the thinking of the culture, hmm. and uh, this started... Um, as the rise of science came along in the 17 and 1800s and it's, it's progressed until now it's just assumed. Yeah. It, it kind of goes back to the <clears throat> rationalism of, well, if I can figure out how to work all of this religion thing, then if there's something that I can't figure out how it works, it must not be real. Yeah. And also the idea that unless we can determine, yeah. And unless we can read in the Bible exactly how all this happens and we shouldn't believe in it, Mm. We shouldn't believe if the Bible just says it does happen. Which again goes to, if I have a God that I can figure out completely, I have a... Then he wouldn't really be God. I don't really have a God worth following. 
yeah, so what I encourage you to do is study for yourself. Um, <clears throat> if, you, if you study this matter, there are two sides to it. There is the Spirit of God and the angels that are sent forth to serve us. And um, are there angels still being sent forth to serve us? Hmm. I think the Bible teaches that Hebrews 1.13, Hebrews 13.2, I think the Bible teaches that there are angels. All through the Bible, angels were doing the bidding of God. And sometimes the people didn't know they were angels, just thought they were people or yeah. didn't see them at all. So um, the angels are active. The demons are active. Hmm. Uh, one last scripture, and we'll just let it hang and let people scream and yell and write in comments and stuff. But if you go to... Think thoughtfully <laughs> yeah, think, and yeah, contemplate. Think, that, yes. Good, yes. <laughs> um, now, you made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, First Peter 5, okay. 7 and 8. First Peter 5, 7 and 8. It says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. All right, so when you're in Joel I, and Amos, go ahead. Yeah, can I read verse 9? Yeah. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being <clears throat> experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Now, we think that's a cute illustration, but there's a movie called The Ghost in the Darkness. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but mm -hmm. it's about two lions. It's an actual story that while they were building a railroad in Africa, they preyed off of the workers that were building the railroad. Uh. And they would sneak up near the tracks and they would just grab a native person and they or somebody else and they would just drag them off into the bush and yeah. take them away. And they found this lair and they had skulls and bones all in it and everything. But in the books of Joel and Amos, it says, does a lion roar and have no prey? So the idea mm. is that the lion roars when he's got something. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't just roar. He roars like when he grabs something and he drags it into the bush. Then he, he roars, see? Yeah. And then it says the Lord is a lion and, a, and the, the lion has roared. It says. Mm. So people that lived in that day did not negate that passage. They, they believed in what that passage said, that as fearful as they were of a, of a hungry lion that was preying on children and people wherever they were, they were fearful of Satan mm. and what Satan does. But we've neutered Satan yeah. by our secular society, and that's not a good thing. And I wonder if some of it is we've gone so far to the God is the lion and he has the final victory that we are negating. But, but we that, don't believe in God either because well, we don't think he can do anything when we ask him in prayer. Yeah. And, and we try to use words like providence, which means I'm not, God really can't do it, but maybe it's a roundabout way. But if you say God really did it, then that sounds too much like that word that starts with an M. What's that? Magic? Miracle. Oh. <laughs> and uh, and that means that something supernatural may have happened. Yeah. You know, so, oh, yeah. You know, we pray for, we don't want to pray for God to heal somebody, but we want to pray that the doctor's hands will be guided. Sure, yeah. Really, the doctor's, it's not God. Right. 
And then we have the one person who, above <laughs> all, comes through it, and we're like, oh, that was a miracle. But the other parts weren't. I'm, I'm always, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a line that we have drawn in our head that seems to separate us from a consistent look at this. Yeah, and, and some people out there may erroneously conclude that we believe that people do miracles, and I, and I don't believe that, but I do not believe the blanket worldview is in the Bible that just says that was then and this is now and mm. it's totally different. I don't think the Bible supports that. Okay. So we do hope that you'll study this and look into it. And Ask specific questions, which would be great, and we'll try to answer those questions with specific scriptures or say simply uh, the Bible doesn't give an answer. But yeah. please ask specific questions about whatever you've heard us say here. Yeah, and like I mentioned at the beginning, Dan's done a couple of other classes on this subject here. I'll make sure and put those links in. That way you can continue this study. And maybe some of the questions you have have been addressed in some of those other classes. And this Sunday we're going to talk a little bit about the work of the angels. So mm. Is that which, angels or angels? Angels, which okay. to them it will be the Sunday before they're seeing this. So that'll be available too. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Scheduling is always fun. Yeah. But we do appreciate you sticking around for these sort of discussions. Hopefully it deepens our faith and our understanding in the realm of God, the spiritual realm that is alive and active. So thanks, yep. Dan. Appreciate you. you. See you all next time. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.